0: I'm still not used to this thing, so y'all bear with me. <clears throat> so today we're gonna um do the second part of my series that I started. Of course I guess you can call it a series, maybe it's part one and part two, but <laughs> which I guess isn't really a series, but uh I wanna just kinda review can y'all hear me You're okay? I'm gonna put this right here. Um I wanna just kinda review um what we talked about last time, which most of you remember, my you know all my slides I did. Um, we talked about the great controversy and this cosmic battle, you know, that's going on around us in the spiritual realm that we're in. Uh, we talked about our uniforms, which was our armor that we're supposed to have on, and and we talked about what section that we're in, and and kind of like a, a sporting event, and um, we talked about. Uh, how God is is preparing us to um, be persecuted. I mean, he tells us that that's coming, and, and we should be ready for that. And so today I wanted to kind of go in. We kind of left it last time uh, with, uh, you know, just kind of giving an overview of the whole situation. But today I want to go into detail as to really how we're supposed to respond to attacks and and what we're supposed to do when when things like that happen. So... Before we get into it, I want to pray if you guys will bow with me. Father, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the message that you've given me today. Uh, Father, just thank you for emptying me of myself and and just giving me uh, the words to speak. Father, just uh, let the ears that are hearing just be open to your word. Father, let me speak only your words and your words only. And, uh, Father, just uh, be with me and uh, help uh, help me to um, deliver this message in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Father, we just uh, ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so in this second part of this, I wanted to talk about uh, what to do when your number comes up. And I think we've talked about this before, like with Job, you know, Job wasn't doing anything wrong. It just, his number happened to come up, you know. And a lot of times that's what happens in our lives is, you know, things will be going really good and then something just out of the blue will happen. And it really, it really tests our faith, you know. And so that's what I wanted to kind of talk about today was, you know, what what are we supposed to do, okay? So last time we kind of... Um, I kind of used the illustration of a sporting event, which is kind of what we started with, was a sporting event. And so I wanted to uh, kind of remind you about who our enemy is and how he works, okay? And so um, always look back there to make sure it's on the right slide. But um, let our enemy is Satan. He's our enemy. And he has a legion, a third of the heavenly host that was thrown down with him. Who support him in his in his uh, attacks on us? And so um, I just wanted us to kind of go through this that sin is lawlessness. Okay, first on uh, three four tells us that, and then if you if you trace the word lawlessness, it's it's traced to unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is traced to iniquity, and iniquity goes back to lawlessness. And so it's just this cycle of of um, it all goes back to lawlessness. Okay. So the Lord really was dealing with me this week on, you know, this, this word lawlessness, you know. And I was I was trying to uh you know figure out how how does how is lawlessness work in this whole sporting event thing that I got, this illustration I got going on. And so I finally figured out that in, in the in the game or in the battle that we're in, there, Satan doesn't pay attention to the rules, you know. He could he, he, he care less about the rules. He doesn't care anything about that. You know, we, we try to keep the law of God as, 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 uh, as believers. You know, God tells us to keep his commandments. Satan doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't care, okay? And so, I got to thinking about what what kind of laws i mean if if Satan is like the father of lawlessness and you know and it tells us in the end times that the man of lawlessness will be revealed okay, and so this lawlessness term really really I really pondered on that uh, this week, and so I thought about you know what kind of laws did Satan break you know in in the beginning okay, and so the Lord. Uh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you know, we're going to talk about physics this week. And I'm like, physics? I mean, I can't even spell physics. I had to use the spell checker. (laughs) Like, you know, you can put P-H-Y-S and all kinds of little combinations, and and I still can't spell the word physics unless I look it up. And so anyway, I was just like, Lord, I don't know nothing about physics. And he was like, well, you don't know nothing about sports either, but you talked about that last week. (laughs) So anyway... We went with physics this week, so, uh, which was kind of interesting to me because it, 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 it confirms to me that when the Lord gives you a message, you don't have to know anything about it at all. Because you're not up here, I'm not up here speaking what I know, because I know zilch about physics, okay? But I know the man who invented physics, okay? And so I'm getting this straight. I'm getting this straight from the Holy Ghost today, I'll tell y'all what. Because God is the inventor of physics. So we're going to go through this. Um, Like I said, normally physics doesn't play any part in a sporting event, but this is not your regular sporting event. This is that cosmic battle we were talking about. Satan has tested the laws that were set up to govern our physical reality. The universe functions on ancient laws that our finite minds can't comprehend. And uh, I have a quote here from Albert Einstein. He says, Quantum mechanics is certainly imposing, but an inner voice tells me that it is not yet the real thing. The theory says a lot, but it does not really bring us any closer to the secret of the old one. I, at any rate, am convinced that he does not throw dice. And so, I thought that was the neatest quote by Albert Einstein, because Albert Einstein acknowledges that there is there is an entity behind all of this. He refers to God as the old one that 's his way of acknowledging that there is something there that he has no clue about, you know whether he follows him or not, he acknowledged that there was a presence there, and that he is convinced that he does not throw dice and so you know, that got me to thinking about, you know, God up in heaven throwing dice, you know. And I'm like, you know, what does he do? Yell out Yahtzee or something whenever he gets something right, you know. And so uh, sometimes I see these silly pictures in my head. But um, but it, it's kind of neat because uh, the Lord, that's how the Lord shows me things. You know, that's how he reveals things to me, you know. And so we're just going to kind of go with this whole physics thing that we got going on. And uh, this is, uh, and I put first. I had Newton's first law of physics, and then I put, you know, this is actually God's law of physics. This, had, I mean, Sir Isaac Newton was just happened to be the guy who, you know, God chose to give it to, I guess. So, but Sir Isaac Newton was an English physicist and a mathematician. He died at eighty-four, and over the course of his life, he discovered pretty much everything that physics is based on, except the involvement of energy. Of course, those of us who are believers know where this energy comes from. And uh, besides making all these discoveries, uh, which, let's face it, scientific discoveries are just events where God chooses to reveal a piece of the puzzle to someone. Newton did help lead the resistance to King James II's uh, attempt to reinstitute Catholic teaching at Cambridge University. So I put score one for old Newt, so that was was pretty good for, for Sir Isaac Newton to do that. But we're going to go through this first law here. Newton's first law of motion states that an object at rest or in motion will continue to be at rest or motion unless an unbalanced force acts on it. And then I put here's an example of that. So in Genesis 2 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Okay? So let's look at this for a second. God's at rest, he's created everything. Okay? and an unbalanced force comes against that rest okay so there's our first law of of motion is an unbalanced force has come against a resting god okay so now we're going to go and see what happened how this plays out okay so god is at rest he's 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 got order he's at rest And Satan chooses to rebel at this point. And he throws chaos into the order, which is a theory, I guess, in physics, chaos and order. Delhi's nodding his head. Do you know anything about physics, Delhi? I mean, have you taken physics? Okay, okay. So at least there's one of us in the room that knows something about physics. (laughs) Okay, so a body at rest stays at rest until an outside or unbalanced force acts against it. And then I put, have you ever been interrupted from a nap? I mean, isn't that the most frustrating thing? Day's like, yes, it is. Okay. And or have you just sit down to rest and the phone rings or uh, the dog needs to go out? You know, I mean, it's just like, it's just all you can do. I mean, it's just to get up and go take care of whatever it is. And so I can understand God's... um, You know his uh, agitation with the whole situation because he had just created everything, everything, and he was at rest. And uh, and I just I put, can you imagine creating the whole spectrum of matter down to the last quark, which that's a a physics term, is a quark. I don't know what a quark is, but and then somebody knocks on your door and says, "You're never going to believe who's trying to put on the boss hat." Okay, so this is this is this is what happened in heaven. When, you know, and I'm sure God was aware of, of Satan's rebellion. Probably way before He ever did it, He knew He was going to do it. And so let's let's uh, let's see how this plays out. Like I said, uh, we're going to the second law, and this is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we all know what happened. Revelation twelve seven through nine, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was there place found any more in heaven and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and satan which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him okay so god's second law is uh force equals mass times acceleration okay and so satan is the mass he is the and, and the third of the angels were the mass okay God used his force and accelerated them, hurled them, is what the Bible says, down to earth, okay? So this was actually the second law of motion, is force equals mass times acceleration, okay? And I wonder if Satan thought that, uh, that this would be a good time to attack, It is when he attacks us, when we have let our guard down, not that God did, but when he attacks us that we've let our guard down we don't maybe have our armor on. But the Bible tells us in Psalms 121-4, Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. Okay? So, you know, God was not caught off guard here. He didn't, you know, he wasn't, you know, he, he knew exactly what was going on. Just because God was resting doesn't mean he was asleep. So so we're going to chalk this one up on Satan's behalf to ignorance, okay? And the Bible tells us that God winks at our ignorance, okay? And I know whenever—and Brother Gordon had, had shared this with me. You know, he taught me that, you know, God winks at our ignorance when we don't understand something and when, you know, we do things in our life that are contrary to, you know, how, how God wants us to act just because we are ignorant— God winks at us and, and allows us to, allows us to learn, allows the Holy Spirit to, you know, work on us. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's as we yield ourselves, the Holy Spirit works on us. Okay. And so again, he gives me silly pictures, you know, in my head and, and I was thinking about the first year that, you know, I came here and it's like, you know, God's winking, you know, and it's like, here's Lisa. She, he's just winking. And then finally he's just shut his eyes because it's just like, Oh, Lisa, you know, so uh, I just I just love the Lord. He has He's been so patient with me. I'll tell you what. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna look at this as what happened. Luke ten eighteen. Jesus replied, or He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And so this action of the force equals mass times acceleration is um, and 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 I learned in, in this week that the smaller the object, the faster it goes. The bigger the object, the slower it goes. And so we know that f- for Satan to get up to hurling speed, he he had to be smaller, okay? So we know that. I mean, and the smaller the object, the faster it goes, the bigger the object, the slower it goes. And so the only thing that's not in this equation here is is uh, faith, okay? It's a piece of the puzzle that's not in the equation because in relation to prayer, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, is uh, the size of the mass comes into play and how faith is involved in that acceleration. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just one second. Okay. So Satan's been thrown down into our realm. Okay. So this is the third law, God's third law for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. Okay. So now Satan's in our realm and, uh and we have to deal with this on a daily basis. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I just put, it is so funny to me that scientists, if scientists would just read the Bible, we would be light years ahead of where we are now. Read the book. It covers everything, history, past, present, and future, literature, agriculture, health, exercise, parenting, physics, fishing and boating, cooking, camping, art, astronomy. I mean, you just need this one book. I mean, that's all scientists need. There you go, there you go, psychiatry. We're going to talk about that in a minute, Bert. Um, And so, you know, if scientists would just read the book, you know, anyway. So we're going to look at this third law that we deal with every day, and it comes from Galatians 5.17, the flesh versus the spirit. What your corrupt nature wants is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They are opposed to each other. As a result, you don't always do what you intend to do. Okay. So Apostle Paul knew all too well, as he was speaking to the Galatians about this, of this battle that goes on and it's it 's this third it 's this third law of motion for every action in our physical realm here for every action, there is a equal and opposite reaction okay when you when you try to do something for the lord uh, you 're going to get you 're going to get some resistance i mean it 's just the way it is yeah, and so um, what came to my mind was is that a lot of times we don't really understand, and I don't think uh, as believers um, we truly understand what goes on in the spiritual world, okay? And just because of my background and my experience, the Lord's going to use that for me to teach others, you know, in a way that will be glorifying to him and not an abomination because, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I was. And so... Uh, we are looking at our reality through a glass darkly. And the Bible tells us this in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And so we 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 see, but we don't see. I mean, we kind of see, you know, what goes on in the spiritual realm, uh, and if we were to be able to see what goes on there, it would probably scare us so bad we uh, we would just shut down, yeah. <laughs> and so um, the Bible tells us we only know in part, and this is exactly what Albert Einstein said a while ago. Scientists will definitely agree on that. But the Bible also tells us that someday it will all be revealed, and we will know just as well as he knows us. And remember, he knows how many hairs are on our head. And um, I, as I was Getting ready last night, I I decided to color my hair. That shows a lot of faith in God. If you're going to mess with your hair the night before, you got to preach. <laughs> I mean, so so anyway, so I colored my hair, and I got my scissors out, and I was cutting it. And I was like, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, there's probably an angel up there that's just a sign to keep a log of my hair as to what color it is that day, how many hairs I cut off, you know. And so because I just, I just go through spells where I just, you know, but anyway, um, and so I wanted to kind of give you an example of how this whole spiritual thing works uh, by using a mirror, and um, and so I, I brought one out of my bathroom today. So y'all know me; I always got to have my props. I don't have my my bugle with me today, so so I, I kind of wanted to show you. Uh, how things work, and it's no accident that the Lord uses a, a mirror or a dark a dark glass. That's not an accident. Okay, so there's something there we need to learn. Okay, now then, in, in the in the physical realm that we deal with here. Okay, if we if we uh, come against something, we're gonna have that same kind of resistance. Okay, okay, it works the same way in this in the spiritual. Okay and i want y'all to watch my fist. You probably never even noticed this before, but or maybe you have. But to me it was kind of interesting. In the it, let's say this is that that veil between us and the spiritual world, okay? If we try to do something on our own, okay, with our own might, and we come against something in the spiritual world, what happens? There's something that's meeting us on the other side, right? Okay. When when you try when you try to come against something on your own, you're going to meet with res- res- resistance on there. Okay, now watch what happens when you yield. Okay, what happens? What happens on the other side? Can y'all see that? The thing, my my hand on the other side yields also. Okay, and so that's what you have to remember is, and that's why it's just told to us over and over again in the New Testament, especially. Yield, 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 because that 's the key, okay you cannot do it on your own, okay you have to you have to back off and let God do his thing okay if you 're out here pitching a fit, the same thing 's happening over here okay you 're not giving God anything that he can work with, okay you have to yield, you have to give yourself to him and just empty yourself, okay and if you're if you 're praying on this side, well guess what 's happening on that other side there 's some work going on over there with your prayers okay and so that's that 's kind of what I wanted to to have you guys look at that just so you could um, understand the process of how it works and i don 't think sometimes we understand that you know I think a lot of times we think we have to take things into our own hands. And, uh, you know, unless God moves you to do that, then your, your, first, your first go-to is yield. Yield. And um, so, let's see. Oh, I was on the wrong slide. Anyway, that's what the whole mirror thing was there. So we're going to go on to, uh, like I said a while ago, Satan does not play by the rules. And so, the only thing keeping him at bay is what the Bible speaks of in 2 Thessalonians 2 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. So, Satan doesn't want to engage God again. That's why he hides. He's secret, he's covert, he's subliminal, he's a cowardly bully, and that's why he drags us out into the stands and onto the field, okay? Uh, he 's already got his honey kicked once he knows the next time the game 's over, okay he knows his fate okay, and so that 's why as the as the time clock which we know god 's in charge of the time clock as this thing ticks out, you know he's he 's just dragging us out of the stands and throwing us onto the field to just to just make sport of us okay and so you have to know what to do um, and so here is what. I came up with um, this is how we should, we should respond to an attack. Okay, number one, which goes back to the first law: you've interrupted my rest. Okay, which is why God tells us we're supposed to be at rest in Him. Okay, that's what the Sabbath is—it's a rest for us, and and it's also a, a weekly or just a twenty-four-hour rest in Him by by us knowing that He's taking care of everything. He, we are to yield; we shouldn't try to do anything on our own. But So we should constantly be in our rest with the Lord, okay? So when Satan comes against us, number one, you've interrupted my rest. And then number two, I put, you're stupid. He's stupid, okay? And I, and I hesitated to use the word stupid here because, um, you know, that's just not a word I normally use. You're stupid. I don't go around, you know, doing that. But it just it this morning, when Jack was talking about um, you know stupidity it 's like the Holy Spirit will do things like that to confirm to me that you know i have I have brought the message that he wanted me to bring and when Jack was talking about stupidity this morning okay, okay Lord, you know i know I know that this is this is what uh, what i 'm supposed to be telling, and so I went ahead and used the word stupid here uh, and I kept it in here because. One of the pet peeves of Satanists is stupidity. Did you know that? Which doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, one of their pet peeves is stu- stupidity. And did you know that there's non-Satanic sins? There is. They have their own sins. And uh, and I got this straight off their website. Their number one cardinal sin is stupidity. And... Uh, They say on their website, the top of the list for satanic sins, the cardinal sin of satanism. It's too bad that stupidity isn't painful. Ignorance is one thing, but our society thrives increasingly on stupidity. It depends on people going along with whatever they are told. The media promotes a cultivated stupidity as a posture that is not only acceptable but laudable. Satanists must learn to see through the tricks and cannot afford to be stupid. And so I just thought this was just so ironic because they chose, and, and and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Satanists are actually atheists, okay? They actually don't even believe in an entity called Satan or the devil. Okay, they're, they're atheists. But for some reason they chose the icon to represent their religion as the devil, okay? And I'm thinking, if you are so, um, if stupidity is one of your pet peeves, and it's like one of your, it's your cardinal sin, why would you choose the most stupid character in the history of the universe to be your icon to represent your religion, okay? Because when you get right down to it, Satan, what, you know, he, he was full of pride. He chose to come against the Most High God, okay? How stupid is that, Okay. He got thrown down to heaven, or he got thrown down to the earth, you know. And he continues to butt his head against a wall, coming at us, knowing what his faith is, okay. That's stupid. That's not ignorant. That's stupid. That's stupidity, okay. And so I'm just wondering, you know, I was thinking, you know, why would they choose Satan, you know, to represent them? Because he's like one of the stupidest characters. I thought, why couldn't they pick somebody like Lucy Van Pelt? Do y'all know who Lucy Van Pelt is? She's from the Charlie Brown comic strip, okay? And she was constantly making Charlie Charlie Brown feel bad about himself. And, uh, you know, and she's always right. And she, you know, y'all know Lucy Van Pelt. And and. I was just thinking, you know, and she all, and Bert said this a while ago about the psychiatric. She had her little psychiatric booth, and she was giving out her her wisdom and her knowledge, you know, as to how things are supposed to be, you know. And I just thought, well, you know, it's no wonder I understand now why they pick Satan, because Lucy doesn't look cool on a T-shirt. You know, she doesn't look cool on the front of a CD cover, you know, so I understand why they do that. (laughs) So... I want to take us back to the second law. If you'll go back, uh, as I was going through these, uh, anytime you're attacked or any anytime you're drug out into the, to the arena, either publicly or privately, go back to this second law. Okay. So I'm going to explain to you, uh, how this works, uh, uh according to prayer. Okay. So you take your mass, which is your need or whatever your, whatever your, um, uh, desire is at the time your job, your family, whatever. That's your mass in this equation, okay? And you you give it to God, you yield it, you give it to Him, and God accelerates it, and the force that is returned is the answer to that request, okay? So prayer is actually a um, an example of the second law of motion, okay? And uh, God, uh, Christ tells us in Matthew seventeen twenty, he says, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if, your faith, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Okay. So he tells us right here that if we give our mass to the Lord, the Lord accelerates that. And the thing that uh, is the key to this acceleration is our faith. Okay, if we truly believe something's going to happen, it affects that acceleration when we give that to the Lord, and the Lord sends us back at sends us back the answer. Okay, and also when you use this, it reminds Satan of his. It reminds him of this. Imp- I don't know whether he was embarrassed or not when he got kicked out of heaven, but it reminds him that he got kicked out of heaven, okay? That's what exactly. I mean, if he's going to remind us of our past all the time and he's going to remind us of all the bad things we, uh, we've done, we need to remind him, you got kicked out of heaven, buddy, okay? I mean, that's just, that's just plain and simple. And so when you're, when you're um, praying, Uh, This is the recommended position during force equals mass times acceleration, okay? You need to get down on your knees, if you can, and and bow your head. It's not only a, um, you know, I put here it's tornado season. All little kids are taught some form of this position during a weather attack. So why don't we teach them this position for a spiritual attack? You know why this position is so important when you are in uh, the middle of prayer? Force equals mass times acceleration. Not only is it a reverence to God when you are in this position, you're expecting something to happen. So this position is important because when your answer comes back with the force of God Almighty, you don't get your head took off. And this is why you bow your head and get down on your knees because if you're actually expecting the Lord to send an answer you know, get, get out of the line of fire there, you know, get down, (laughs) take yourself, exactly, Roberta, take yourself out of the way, take yourself out, there you go, there you go, it's important, it's important, you know, and even with my bad knee, you know, you can get down on a pillow, you can get down, you know, on, on something, and, you know, thank God I still got teenagers at home that can help me get up if, (laughs) if I, if I need to, but, um, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And uh, we talked about this in our last session about the armor and how it's to be worn and used. Uh, when you are drug out into a public attack or in private, know the position. You are under a tra- attack. You know, bow your head. Give it to God. Uh, pray for a speedy answer. But know that we only see in part, and that part is blurred. Know that if, you're, if you'll just be still, the answer will come. Psalms 46 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. And I know right now, t- right now we're going through a time where it doesn't seem like God is exalted at all. We're trying to get rid of God is what we're trying to do. But he assures us in, in Psalms 46 10, that he will be exalted. He will be. Uh, Second Chronicles 2015, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's and so this brings us back to uh, our scripture reading that Jason uh, read this morning Nehemiah 4 15 through 18 and if you don't have this marked in your bible Mark it and read it over the next week or so, uh, because it's exactly for us today. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. I just love these. I just love these verses. They have just spoke to me so much over the last uh, month or so uh, because it tells us what we're supposed to be doing. We have to be equipped with our sword. And we have to have our materials in the other hand. We've got to be working for the kingdom of the Lord. And at the same time, be ready with our weapon, okay? Because because we know what the devil's trying to do, okay? We're not ignorant. God will not leave us ignorant. He will show us what's going on. and And so that's what we have to do until the trumpet sounds, okay? That's what we have to be doing until the trumpet sounds, is working and being ready for battle because the battle's going to come. And I just put, take care and watch out for each other. Stop attacking each other and watch for the real enemy. Flesh and blood are not our enemy. The Lord has his eye on us at all times. The children of Israel still had to fight to take that which was theirs. Okay? They still had to fight. And so I just wanted to end today um, with Isaiah 55:11 so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And I just kind of wanted to open up the altar, if that's okay. And if there's anybody here that needs to bring something to the Lord, if you've got something, if you've got a mass that's been bothering you, Man, come up here and I'll pray with you, or Glenda can come play, pray with you, and and let's just give that to the Lord today. You know, let's just let's just the things that we've learned today, the message that we've heard today, let's learn to give things to God and and not try to take it back. We can't reach through there and take it back, okay? Once we give it to the Lord, let's let Him deal with it, okay? And so, is there anybody here that would like to come up? Does anybody need to come up and and pray? Because we can sure come pray with you. Anybody? Go ahead, Kim. Come on. Well, I hope I hope y'all enjoyed that today. I hope that we got something out of it, and I know I know I enjoyed preparing for it this week. I love spending time with the Lord and just you know, Glenda. Did you have some? And just like it says, God's word does not come back to Him void. It goes out and it accomplishes what He purposes for it to do, and that's good, Glenda. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I just love how the Lord works, uh where he does give us confirmation from other people, from other things that happen to let us know that, you know, we are we are there right. Exactly. Cuz I think that's one of my fears is uh is to is to say something that would be wrong or or something like that. And so he he knows that I need this confirmation to make sure that that, you know, I'm not heaven forbid I would lead anybody astray. So, yeah. There you go, there you go, there you go, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, yeah, okay, well, uh let's pray, Father, thank you so much for the message that we uh heard today, thank you for your holy spirit and 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 uh thank you for for working in me, Lord, because you know i I can't do this on my own, and uh Father, I just thank you for everyone that was here today, everyone that will hear the message, and uh father, I just pray that it would uh um uh, Fall on ears, Lord, that it would uh, accomplish the work that was set out to do. And, uh, Father, we just ask that you be with us during the week. Give us opportunities to witness and to love on uh, one another and to to, uh, um, reach out to the lost in our community. And, Father, just forgive us where we fail you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.